I would say this is the most motivated I've ever been. I think I have a lot to prove to myself, and then um, I think I have a lot to prove to the rest of the world. Jack Eichel joins the podcast in studio. I want to make Vegas feel uh, feel good about their their decision to make this move because uh, you know it's, it says a lot about them to, to take this chance with me. An extended, wide-ranging conversation with the newest Vegas Golden Knight. And I don't know if you've ever lived with somebody who starts playing the guitar, but at the beginning of it, it sounds terrible. <laughs> and he would play it on the couch, and I'd be sitting there, I'd be like, dude, go to your room. Like, Let's get to know Jack Eichel, the player and the person, plus a look back on the night's road trip and the upcoming six-game homestand. It's the SLGND Podcast, presented by the D-Hotel. And now, here's Dave. That's uh, that's a, the great introduction to the Sheriff Lawless, Some Guy Named Dave podcast. I am Some Guy Named Dave. Dave Gosher, Shane Knighty, Gary Lawless. Dan Duva, great to have you with us here. Special edition of SLGND. We have a special guest, the newest Golden Knight, Jack Eichel, joining us here on the podcast and in studio. Jack, uh, what's new with you? lots new this has been i'm sure a whirlwind for you could you just kind of take us through your emotions over the last few days yeah um a lot of emotions i think at the beginning at the onset it's uh pretty overwhelming there's just a lot going on a lot going through your head but uh, as it starts to settle in you're just excited relieved um you know i'm just happy more than anything this is a fantastic place to be and um can't wait can't wait to get back to playing hockey. So do you get the welcome with the Vegas Bells and Chants and, and uh, Golden the Night. Golden Knight? Do you get that uh, all the time, or was that just special for you yesterday? Uh, you? I think that that's just the Vegas thing, I guess. <laughs> uh, a couple guys have told me that they've gotten it, and this is a show town, so they, uh, I mean, the productions here are uh, best in the world for a reason. How much did you know about Las Vegas before you came, the city outside of the Strip? Or is yeah. it your first time out in this area as you've come out to City yeah. National Arena? This is it. I've I've never, the uh, only time I've ever been in here is to, to play uh, play hockey. And it's the only trips that I've made to Vegas. So, um, yeah, I've never never lived a West Coast time, never been, been further uh, west than Ann Arbor, Michigan. So it'll be, uh, it'll be a little bit of a, a change for me. But, um, I mean... There's, I can't imagine there's too many better places to live. You got to stock up on the shorts and t-shirts? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I can leave. Uh, that was what uh, Brady McNabb said. He said, you don't need your winter jacket out here. No. So. Deal goes down uh, you know, late Wednesday, early Thursday, and we're uh, broadcasting the game that night, and I said to Dan, you know, like, I wondered, did, like, did Jack uh, roll out to a store? Like, I don't even know where you were, if you were in Boston or Buffalo or wherever. Did you roll out to a store and buy, like, a Golden Knights T-shirt so that you could go and, when you watch the game that night, you could uh, be in be in gear? I didn't uh, I didn't roll out and get any Knights things, but uh, I already had a, a Vegas uh, Raiders T-shirt, so. Oh, slid into that? Yeah, yeah, I have one of those, so I had that even prior to the trade, so it was... Uh, I guess I'm a Raiders guy now. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was it like for you to watch that first game, knowing normally the trade goes down and you know you're on a plane and bang you you go into the dressing room and yep. you, coach says to you can you go and you say yes and you play on adrenaline. You're, you're watching. You're pretty disconnected in that regard. Yeah, obviously a different situation. Uh, I've never obviously been traded, so I don't know what what that process is like. Shane can um, teach you about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know the team has been so has been so has been so good, and 
just reaching out, trying to get me as acclimated as I can and make me feel comfortable. But yeah, just been watching the games, I guess, from a distance, um, you know, talking to some guys here and there, but uh, you know, that's about it. Hopefully you'd watch those on mute, to be honest with you. That's what I would do. But uh, are you at this point now, Jack, it's been such a long, I don't know if saga is the word, maybe it is, that that it's finally over. Is it relief, excitement, can't wait to get going here in Vegas, a mixture of all that maybe? Yeah, I'd say all those things. Um, I think the first thing is relief, you know. Um, feel very relieved to uh, just be uh, on the right path and the path to playing again and you know, then the idea of playing again excites me. It's been a while since I played hockey and, you know, with the pandemic and the shortened season last year, uh, it feels like I haven't been in the groove in a while. So, you know, it's more than anything, you know, you just want to get back to playing and doing what you love and being on the road and traveling and playing in different cities and playing at home. Like this is like game day. Like that's, you know what I mean? You get in that rhythm in a season. That's what you love to do. And um, it's been a while since I've done that. You know, even last year with the pandemic, it didn't, didn't quite feel right. There wasn't, uh, you know, wasn't fans for a while. And, you know, it, so, you know, I'm just excited to get back to get back in the rhythm of things and get back to uh, doing what I love. How hard was it to day to day throughout all this, uh, you know, from last year through the summer and not knowing and you kind of knowing the path you wanted to take, unable to take it uh, and it had to wait. And now it's all come but were there moments that were more difficult and how did you stay on top of it were were you able to still do a lot of things yeah um i think whenever you're injured and your team's playing it's tough so last year when i got hurt in march and you know through the spring during the season it was hard you know just being at a distance trying to trying to do uh you know the physical therapy to come get yourself back and 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 uh then, uh, then this summer, you know, it got a little easier because everyone kind of goes in their off season, and I was able to find a, uh, I was able to find a routine with the guys back home and with skating and treatment and working out. It's, you know, it felt a little bit normal. And then at the beginning of the fall, when everyone goes back to training camp, it's like, you know, training camp. The beginning of the year is such an exciting time as a hockey player. It's like, you know, we have a clean slate here, boys. Like, yeah. it's like first day of school you know you don't know it's like an empty canvas you don't know what your season's gonna have it's just you have so much in front of you and so that's a you know that's a time that i really enjoy and you know not having that this year like go to buffalo you know do my physical fail obviously and then um i try to just stay busy and you know for the times that i i, I guess i was less busy uh they were tough uh guys are back playing guys are getting in the rhythm exhibition then the season starts and it's sort of like I'm, I'm just a forgotten memory and I'm just trying to stay busy. I'm working out. It's just like I don't really have a routine. It doesn't really. So then uh, it just feels good to be uh, working towards something now. Um, you know, you, you have things kind of set in stone. And uh, so it just uh, it feels a lot better uh, in the position I'm in now than, you know, f- the last two months. I have to ask just from a personal standpoint, like everything you've gone through now and you've always you know, you've established yourself as one of the great players in the league and, and there's always motivation factors and players look for different, is this maybe, you know, you got a long, long road here ahead, but do you feel like maybe this might be one of the most motivated to kind of come yeah. out and prove yourself you've had in your career? I would say this is the most motivated I've ever been. Um, with, uh, just with the way that things ended in Buffalo and, um, you know, you try not to, you try not to look into what people you know, say or whatever about you. But, um, you know, there's been a lot of things that I guess I'd 
I'd say I, I don't uh, necessarily either agree with or or like and you feel like maybe not you're not a forgotten memory but people I, I think a lot of people have kind of ripped me off a little bit and I don't like that I'm a competitor I think you know two years ago when I was healthy I had I had a really good season last year wasn't as wasn't as good and you know was hurt for a little bit of it but you know you look at uh you know this organization giving me the opportunity to come out here and, and do this and and proceed medically the way I want and then give myself an opportunity to get back to health and be a part of you know a culture like this a winning team and and um you know a great organization I have a I think I have a lot to prove to myself and then um I think I have a lot to prove to the rest of the world and obviously I want to uh I want to make Vegas feel uh feel good about their their decision to make this move because uh you know it's it says a lot about them to take this chance with me. Jack Eichel joining us on the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast. Um, you've done a lot of research on your options for surgery, and you, you settled on on the one you're going to have, the, uh, the ADR uh, surgery. Uh, but you are having neck surgery. It's not like you're having surgery on your hand. Um, but does the research you've done give you a lot more peace of mind than, you know, people think neck surgery, this isn't, you know, uh, but I know that's been done in other professional athletes, but not in the NHL. But has your research eased your, uh, maybe your concerns on that? Yeah, it does. And, and, uh, you know, you have an injury and, um, you know, your first thing is, is you never want to look at surgery as your first option, right? You want to do everything you can to not have surgery. And that's what I tried to do last spring. And it, it became pretty apparent to me through the therapy process that you'd have to have some sort of surgical intervention to fix this issue. And okay, well then you look at your options and, and what, what, option gives you the best opportunity to get back to full health and feel like yourself again and um you know i think there's a lot of people out there that are probably uh, a little bit like oh what is he doing you know but he hasn't been done in a hockey player like i i've done i, I feel like i could almost do the surgery at this point like <laughs> not I, that I've you done, would but. no i've done so much research and, and i've seen so many different uh, you know different uh, you know, world-renowned experts on this. And I, I couldn't feel better and more confident about what I'm doing. And, you know, I know that I, this is going to be a tremendous outcome. I'm going to be back, uh, you know, playing and I'm going to be back to, you know, the, the old form that I was in. And um, I'm just looking forward to that. I, I feel really, really confident about it. If, if I didn't, I wouldn't be doing it. But, you know, there's no uh, there's no better advocate for it than, than yourself. So, I've done a lot of research. I've talked to a lot of different people. I've talked to people who have had the surgery. I've talked to people who have had the opposite surgery. Uh, you know, I've talked to hockey players that have had it in Europe. And, you know, they. Uh, everyone I've spoke to has said, uh, has said really good things about it. So uh, I know I'm making the right decision. I'm very confident in it. It's, uh, it's obviously a long road back to, to playing. Um, but I'm ready for that process. I'm ready to, I'm ready to grind and, and get back to, uh, get back to, you know, playing shape and, feeling like myself and I'm excited about it. Zeppelin four was released this day in 1971. Where is that rank for you? How high is it on your list? You You're know what? Massive classic rock guy. I right? am. Yeah. But I, I would say, uh, I mean, I do like some Zeppelin, but they wouldn't be, I know a lot of people like them, but, uh, to like for my top five, I, I probably wouldn't like just personal preference. Uh, I probably wouldn't have Zeppelin in the top. I would, uh, I grew up more, I grew up in an Eric Clapton house, so he's, uh, he, he takes, uh, he takes the cake for me and let's have your top five. Yeah, I was going to say what rounds out the rest of it. Yeah. Um, I like Hendrix a lot. Yeah. Uh, 
put me on the spot here. I'd have to go through my phone. Um, <laughs> actually, I'd probably say Jim Morrison in The Doors. Uh, I got really big into him. We had a family friend of ours who was a big Jim Morrison guy. And I don't know, for whatever reason, I just thought the actual, like Jim as a character, like his his personality, everything really intrigued me for a while. So I got into The Doors. Um, his autobiography, No One Here Gets Out Alive, really good read. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've seen the movie? To it. I've seen the movie Val a million Kilmer times. Is unbelievable, yeah, Val Kilmer right? does a great job. Yeah. 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 Um, so The Doors, Clapton, Hendrix. I'm trying to go through. I really like Van Morrison. Uh, and let me see here. Um, I don't know. that. Those are those are the classics. Uh, you know, I like a lot of the 90s. I like some Motown. Marvin Gaye is really big. Um, he's really uh, he's probably one of my favorite artists. So yeah. you're gonna want to ride on the media bus everywhere. Yeah, I was gonna say you might yeah. not get that music in the room. None of that no. gets played. <laughs> That's what we play on our bus. It doesn't get played on the other bus. Yeah, normally it's uh it's a battle to get. If you have a couple guys that like the the classic music, it's makes it a little easier to put it on. But usually the guys are complaining about it in the locker room. So <laughs> so if you want to come on the fun bus, we're the fun yeah. bus. Yeah, okay. I don't For- think you're allowed, but that's <laughs> if we we have Shane gets a speaker going. I sing to everyone's annoyment, and you can come back there and have yeah, some beautiful. fun with us. You're, you're more than you will, open invitation. You will wake up one day and realize that Zeppelin Four is like maybe the greatest <laughs> rock and roll album ever. All right. And I'm not even a huge Zeppelin guy, but it is. Uh, it's no, it's no Sergeant Pepper, it's but it's blows fine. Sergeant it's fine. Pepper. Let's not right go bananas here. I'm a big Beatles guy. You left them out, which is unfortunate. <laughs> oh, I would probably say that's yeah. There we I go. Can't even, this is oh, great. Rolling Stones, yeah. like Springsteen. Right. Yeah, you put no me on the spot. You don't Bruce think about it. Yeah, yet. Springsteen. No. Um, geez, I was on NHL Network, and EJ Raddick was all over Springsteen. Well, yeah. it's not this whole table, but that side of the table. Chains very. Uninformed. Stones were just here on Sunday, weren't yeah, they? Yeah. That's yesterday. Yesterday, yeah. played a couple yeah. shows here. Do you play it? Have you? Do you have a guitar? Do you? I do. Yeah. Yeah, I picked it up last year. Um... I'm in a band. Would you like to join? Uh, no. No, are you busy? Yeah. Okay, that's fine. That's um, fine. I Dave wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't yeah. play for you guys because I'm not. <laughs> uh, I'm not nearly good enough to do that. But I'm just starting to learn. Good and for you. I started uh, with the piano. Uh, took a few lessons and then moved to the guitar because it was a little easier. And I probably haven't followed up on it as much as much as I probably should. I, I should probably get back on it. But last year during the season with as much downtime as we had is, is kind of when I started playing I picked it up I had a music teacher back in Boston that I would work with and so it's fun it's good if, if uh, thing is is it, it's really hard right it's, it's yeah. not an easy skill to acquire yeah. and I'm just like I want to pick it up and be able to like strum off songs you know what I mean I want to be like pick it up and just start playing <laughs> Pearl Jam and it's just not going to happen oh, there we go yeah so you're at the stage now where you're not playing in front of other people no like if when I when I was living with uh, Sam Reinhardt in Buffalo, he was uh, he had just started playing the guitar. It's probably our second or third year, and we were living together. and And I don't know if you've ever lived with somebody who starts playing the guitar, but at the beginning of it, it sounds terrible. <laughs> and he would play it on oh, the yeah. couch, and I'd be sitting there. I'd be like, "Dude, go to your room. Like, <laughs> it's just this is not uh, this is not for my for my ears. Like, I'm trying to watch TV, and you're trying to pick chords here. It's, it sounds terrible. But now he's gotten good and. So I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to play, and uh, people don't want to hear me play right now. It's, it's not, uh, it's not nearly good enough. How far along are you? Uh, it's New Hampshire where you're building a place right now. Yeah, it's right on the Mass New Hampshire border. It's a beach I grew up going to. So, um, yeah, we uh, started framing last week. So no kidding. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. Uh, it's a cool, it's a cool place. It's like my uh, my family grew up going there our whole life, and um, during COVID, 
I rented a house there and uh, we hadn't been in a long time and rented a place there and had a, had a bunch of family come and stay and, um, aunts, uncles, everyone, a bunch of my buddies and kind of like rekindled that, that, that love for being there. And there was a place that went for sale. So, um, it was an older house, but it was a really nice piece of property on the water. And, uh, yeah, it was just, you know, debating on, I was trying to find a place back home for a while. And then, you know, what better to wake up to every day than, you know, being on the beach in the summer, it's pretty nice. So just kind of going through that process now. So is that kind of, um, did you just say hand it over to somebody or are you involved in the, uh, it, like Shane is a, it loves to kind of fool around with stuff like that. Dave just hires somebody. Uh, I just do what my wife tells me to do and Dan rents. So, but like, where are you? Are you kind of really engrossed in the, in the project or not as much? I think I, I, I had, you're not picking the paint colors. No, I had my, <laughs> I had my vision kind of in the beginning of what I wanted the house to turn out like, yeah. um, like big picture. I had, I basically did the floor plans myself and, um, you know, made some tweaks here and there. Like it was from what it, from my original floor plans to now it, it's changed a lot, but I, I definitely, uh, was pretty involved early. And then, uh, I ended up hiring an interior designer and she, uh, she's kind of taken over a lot of that sort of decision like i'm not making a decision on what kind of handle on, sure, on the yeah. Yeah. what, what kind of towel rack we have in the bathroom <laughs> like i don't want to do that so i've kind of just put that on her how tricked out is the music room did you pick like do you, do you have vinyl or i do is, have a yeah yeah i have a big vinyl collection um i have a lot so uh yeah we we're kind of making like a little like game room lounge area and um put a pool table in there and uh It'll be, uh, it'll be, it'll be cool. It'll be really, uh, it'll be really unique when it's done. What's the time frame? When's it, uh, when's it get finished? I don't know. I have to ask my builder. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> That's a lot of questions. Not about soon enough. House, yeah. Um, I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I hope, uh, I hope it gets done sooner rather than later, but you never know with that stuff. And, and with COVID now, it seems like everything's getting delayed. Um, it's tougher to get things, you know, quickly. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see how quickly he works, and we'll see how uh, how quickly the designer gets things in, and you know, hopefully, it's done uh, at some point in the in the near future. Yeah. Jack, yeah. How, yeah. Go, go ahead, Dan. Go ahead. How far away from where you grew up is that? It's about forty five minutes. Yeah, it's about forty five fifty minutes north of Boston, and then uh, it's about forty five from where my parents live. And are they still North Chelmsford? They are. Yeah, they're still at the house I grew up in. So, and what comes to mind when you think of North Chelmsford? Uh, I don't know. Like North Chelmsford means a lot to me. I think, you know, where you're from is, is, uh, a lot of it has to, has to do with, uh, you know, the person that you become and, and, you know, the culture you grew up in and the people you surround yourself with, I think shapes you to, to be who you are. And, uh, I take a lot of pride in being from where I'm from. Um, you know, it's a, it's a pretty big town. Like, there's, I don't know, there's probably 35, 40,000 people who live in Chelmsford. So maybe it's more now. That was kind of what I was, what I grew up with. But yeah, I mean, it's, uh, there's a pretty big, uh, you know, discrepancy. There's some, there's some blue collar areas. There's some really nice areas. It's, there's some great people. Um, it's a, it's a really nice town to grow up in. I feel very fortunate. I made a lot of relationships there and, you know, still, uh, still have some now. What's the hockey culture like there? It was better when I was younger. Um, you know, hockey, 
there's so many teams nowadays and, and in the Boston area too, especially there's so many junior teams and so many youth hockey teams. So it's like less people play high school and less people play for your town. And so I never played for my town growing up. I was always kind of, you know, playing on other select teams or whatever it might be. And, uh, but you know, people there love hockey. Uh, we've had some, some, uh, some guys come, come out of Chumpsford, like, Keith Coin was in Chelmsford when I was growing up, so um, you know he had a he had a great career in the American League and then went over to Europe. He just recently retired. He was kind of like my first hockey hero because he was from Chelmsford. He was playing in Lowell for the Lock Monsters, so I really looked up to him. And um, but yeah, I mean, uh, when I was younger, there was I feel like there was more people that probably played you know hockey. There was a lot of roller hockey going on in the summer. We had roller hockey rinks. I don't see it as much now, but I'm also not around as much, so. Who knows? When you think about where you were and where you are now, when did it click that hockey could be a career for you? Um, I think probably in the eighth grade. Um, you know, you always have the dream of, you know, making making it to the NHL. And uh, I think when you're in like elementary school or you know when you're younger and you're you're telling your teachers that you're going to make the NHL, they're like, yeah, okay, pal, like, yeah. <laughs> Like, let's be realistic here, you know? So you kind of get that when you're younger. And, um, you know, that's how I was. I was always obsessed with hockey. So everything had to do with it. And I'm sure, I'm sure all my elementary and middle school teachers probably got sick of it. But when I went to eighth grade, I, I kind of had a growth spurt. I was playing junior and, um, you know, the guys were a lot older than me. And that's sort of when I started getting some interest from colleges. And um, so I went on a few visits uh, in, in after my eighth grade year and, committed to BU as a freshman and, and then I uh, committed to the national development program. And I think sort of in that like 24 month time period is when it started to become more reality. Like, okay, well, if you, if you really work at this and you have the right mindset, you, you know, you could have an opportunity to play in the NHL. Um, and, and that's sort of when it became more realistic for me. And I can imagine, you know, parents or, or young hockey players listening to you talking, you know, most people decide about college like their senior year. Yeah. And here you're, you're, you're 14. I barely knew what college was when I yeah. was 14. What was that like? It was, uh, it was a good process. It was, really, uh, it was really fun, I think, growing up in, in that area. Um, you always dream of going to play for a hockey school. And I was fortunate. I went and visited uh, BC, BU, Northeastern, UNH, and narrowed it down pretty quickly to BC and BU. And... Um, when I was young, I always wanted to go to BC. I was always a BC fan, but as uh, as I went through the recruiting process and uh, got uh, you know got further into it, and, and you know you try and picture yourself at the university, and I probably took eight months. So I, if I visited in the summer after eighth grade, I didn't commit until the spring of after my ninth grade year. So I took a while, and um, just BU had some sort of feel to me that it was it was the best place for me to be, and uh, you know it's. Uh, very happy about the decision, and it ended up uh, turning out well. And Gosher over here is reacting. Yeah. I, I don't think there's any question you made the right yes. decision, Jack. Who's yeah, kidding I, who here? Yeah. I didn't. I didn't commit to BU until they decided to let me in. You only did one year there. Dave almost did the same. No, I almost yeah. did a one and done. My freshman year was not very good, and my dad, God rest him, came to me. I've told the guys this story. So I pulled my GPA. You have to really try like a son of a gun to pull a one nine one as a freshman. Which I did. It's not very good. You don't want to hear about my second semester GP. So my dad comes to me. My dad was a truck driver, a very blue collar from Pawtucket, Rhode Island, right? 
And he had remortgaged the house for me to go to BU. So he says to me that summer, he didn't get out of high school. He didn't, you know, he had to go to work. And he said, what's your grade number thing? And he asked my two roommates, who were not geniuses either. He asked these two knuckleheads, what's your grade number thing? Not your GPA. And these, these geniuses were like a 2-1, right? So I was a 1-9-1. So he says to me, so after I, my birthday's in July, we used to have a big party. And everyone leaves. He goes, let me tell you something. If you don't pull a 3-0 the next semester, your ass is out of that school. And that was all it took to snap right back to because yeah. he was ser- like, he was serious. You're right. If it, like, I'm not remortgaging the house and I'm driving truck 70 hours a week and my only kids screwing off on Cobb yeah. Ave. We're not having this. So uh, I almost did a one and done for different reasons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this, I, I get, I get, it's, it's tough school like that. Yeah. Actual- the, Hold on. The it is. is hard. He, he graduated. It's not that tough, Jeff. You don't have the best <laughs> evidence sitting yeah. beside you. In the College of Communication. <laughs> I, I, I felt like uh, the first semester at BU, I was, I wouldn't say dialed, but I went to class and I was pretty, um, like I tried to do the work and the curriculum can be pretty hard. And then second semester... Uh, Knew you were going to be top anything. two in the yeah. draft. Well, no, like I, w- I went to the world championships and ended up just taking an incomplete in all my classes. And what school were you in there? Uh, I was in the general studies school. Oh yeah, I know that school. I, that was what I did. It used to be called well, basic like I, studies. I was I very basic. Uh, I wouldn't recommend anybody as a freshman going to general studies. No, the curric- like it's pretty hard. I would, if I was to go back, I'd probably try and get in the arts and science school. I tried. I tried communication right off the bat. So you guys know, they try to weed you out. I yeah. think anyways, Jack, your first two years, college of basic studies. When I was there, college of general studies, when Jack was there, the workload is overwhelming. Yeah. And they just, you know, they want to see like, who's serious that wants to get through this. And then was there, I was serious enough, I guess at some point. Was there a secret backup plan? Like when the, when the elementary teacher said to you, what are you going to do? And you said pro hockey player, was there somewhere in the back of your head? Like no. I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be an architect. Never. No kidding. Never man. consider anything else. Yeah. I'm sure I'm sure if uh if if my early high school and if my college career was different, then it probably wouldn't it probably would have been different. Like I probably would have started having to consider other things. But you know, when when I knew it was more of a reality, I think that's probably when I dug in even more and um I never really considered anything else. It was just you know, hockey or hockey or bust. Cody Eakin, you play with Cody a yeah. little bit. That's uh, he might be the most hockey player, hockeyest player. You, have, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like there is, he is a hockey player. Yeah, hockey, hockeyest. It's a, <laughs> a new word. Aren't you a writer? <laughs> he gets it. He gets it. And, and I spoke to my audience, and he understood. He's he knew a exactly Shakespeare what I was saying. Over here. Yeah. <laughs> well, Jack, it's been great to have you. I guess maybe the last thing we would throw at you is what you know, kind of the the plan for you for the near future and and your road to taking the ice for the golden knights what does that entail uh well i'll get the surgery here and and start the uh the process of recovering from that and um you know hope to get on the ice six weeks post-op and then you know hope to be back uh get cleared to play about three months post-op and be back uh be back on the ice playing and game action and yeah i look forward to that well, Jack Eichel, welcome again to Vegas. Thanks for uh, for joining us here and putting up with our shenanigans no, for the last good. It was fun. half Super hour. Super excited, so. Jack. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Awesome. Thanks, on, Jack. Good Thanks luck on me. Friday with your recovery. Yes. And uh, we can't wait. We, our desks overlook the practice rink. And that first day that we see uh, number nine step out there on the ice, uh, going to be really exciting for this yeah. whole town and this organization. Thank you very much. Good Thanks again, Jack. To it. Thank, thank you. you.
And thanks once again to Jack Eichel for joining us on the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast. He was terrific. He was great. Fantastic. He was excellent. Uh, you know, I can maybe go around the table here, guys. Shane, what jumped out to you the most about uh, what was almost a 30-minute conversation? <laughs> I was going to say so much. Just uh, intelligent. Uh, you know, when he speaks about kind of the background, how he's lock- looked into, you know, what he needed to do for his body. And that's been the argument the whole time. It's his body. And he's obviously put in the work for what's going to be the best for him to do, what he feels is best, his confidence, his resolve, and that he has made the right decision to me is, is quite outstanding. Of course, uh, hearing, and, and I kind of knew the answer. I just wanted to hear him say it. I, I believe this is going to be, not only we're talking about an elite player, we're talking about an elite, extremely motivated, more than he's ever been in his life uh, to come out. And it, it's interesting to say, prove people wrong. He's already, This is a guy who's already been considered elite in the National Hockey League. Um, I, I think, and uh, just everything I hear, and if everything goes well and he returns to form, I think he is going to be right there. If we're talking Western Conference, you got Connor McDavid. I think we're talking about him in the same sentence as McKinnon. When you talk about motivated, Shane, I mean, you, you set it up. It was like, it was so motivated. Yeah. And he said unequivocally, yes. as clearly as he could state, this is the most motivated I have ever been. I mean, you don't hear too many athletes make that kind of pronouncement at that stage of their career. It's impressive the... The research he's done, and you know, Shane, you you played a long time, had a lot of injuries, had surgeries, and th- you know, this is you know, it is neck surgeries. We kind of talked to him about, right? It's not surgery on your knee or your hand, but to hear him say he feels like he's done so much research, he could almost do the surgery, says a lot. That he's not a player that just obviously put blind faith in what other people felt maybe he should do, i.e., the other surgery. He did his more than his due diligence to figure out what's the best path for him, not only in the near future, but in the long term. And you, you really have to applaud him for that because the majority of players, you go, you listen to your training staff, to the team doctor staff, they say, okay, you need this done. All right, let's 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 sign up for yeah. it. But, you know, obviously this is a di- you know higher degree of, uh, you know, where he's injured and, and everything that's involved with it about getting back to complete full health. So uh, you can maybe understand for, you know, next surgery that you're going to do a little more. But, you know, when we were told, and I've only had a few surgeries, um, you know, I've been fortunate that they were good. Even when I tore my rotator cuff, I was actually in Arizona and I got the guy that was top for MLB for that injury. Uh, so I kind of lucked into the best surgeon and it was a real progressive rehab where, you know, most guys weren't coming back from it from, you know, six months, if at all. And I was able to come back in five months and play. I think Mark Strait at the time had the same injury a week earlier than me and didn't return that year. So, you know, it, it, it is important. I lucked into it, but seeing that getting the proper one and it, it can pay huge benefits. And he has put in, as we heard, all the proper research and due diligence to, to make sure he's going to get that. When someone says neck fusion, says vertebrae fusion, or what, it's 25 years old too. Someone says that to you, you know, you don't, you don't just go, okay, let's do it tomorrow. Like that's a, okay. And then he said the first advice was to see if it would settle down and, and, you know, and fix itself uh, with some rest. And when that, during that period, you probably Google a few things, and then then all of a sudden you're like, okay, I think I'd like a second opinion. I listened the guy that's going to do the surgery, Doctor Chad Prusmak. I listened to him talk about it this summer, and it was to me this was like it was pretty basic. You know, he's explaining 
what happens to most people who have a neck fusion, you know, you, you do you do two vertebrae, they fuse those, that puts pressure on the ones on either side. Pretty soon you have to do another set, then you have to do another set. And usually this doesn't happen until you're 50, 60 years old when you get the first one. They're not 25. And by the time it's all said and done, if you live, uh, you know, another 20, 30 years, you know, you lose all mobility. And so for a guy that's 25, to ask him to do it is uh, – you know, pretty scary, I think. So um, I, I listened to this doctor talk about it this summer, and this is what he was explaining. He said, my job is to make sure that Jack can pick up his grandson when he's when he's 60 years old. And uh, obviously from the Golden Knights perspective and, you know, and from Jack's too, like you just said, he's the most motivated he's ever been. He wants to return to be the best player he can be. And this gives you better range of motion if it's successful gives you better the, the, the ADR gives you better range of motion than than the other options so I'm not a doctor but uh, um, you know being motivated also helps for the surgery as well because like this guy's not going to fool around with his recovery yeah, the rehab, rehab is so is, important yeah and the he's going to commitment do, to it he's going to do a tremendous job of that you can tell that already and throw into the equation the fact that Jack Eichel has never in his career played a Stanley Cup playoff game. He's got the greatest shot by far that he's ever had, and if that doesn't add to the motivation, yeah. what he can accomplish here, I mean, what would? I want to ask Shane this. Uh-oh. Well, someone, says, someone said to me the other day, he's about to step into an NHL dressing room, a real NHL dressing room, for the first time in his career. Because because when you're, when you're drafted that high and everything is built all around you, it's you walk in. It's your room. You're the guy. You dictate everything. Well, now he's going to walk in. He's not going to dictate anything. He's going to walk in there, and there's already another captain in Mark Stone. There's a, a Stanley Cup champion captain in Alex Alex Petrangelo, a guy that was captain of the Montreal Canadiens for a long time, and then and Jack himself, like four captains in that room. Not to mention Alec Martinez and Riley Smith and William Carlson, Jonathan Marsh. So like. He's not – none of that extra weight is going to be on him. His job is going to be to come and be the number one center, score goals, be dynamic, and help the team win games, and nothing else. And if he doesn't do that, if he takes a game off or whatever, well, he's not going to take a game off, but you know what I'm saying. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't need to take all the weight on this. Exactly. He is, he's never been surrounded with this type of team and yeah. this type of talent. Well, I think the other thing is to your point, Gary. You know, you so Buffalo hasn't made the playoffs in ten years. He's been there since what twenty fifteen, um, and you've been on by and large the training. Team, yeah, you've been on obviously a cup champ, but when you lose that much, losing has just got to suck. The I missed life once out of you. in yeah. my whole career. And you were fortunate. You had good I was teams. You very were. fortunate. It is. But it sucks, man. I couldn't imagine year after year. I was very fortunate and, to and be they on those general teams. managers and coaches. Yeah. yeah. Rebuild number three now. Every like, time, yeah. every time you come in, there's something. Think about us stooges. The team's 500 for the first time since we've been here, and it's like, oh boy, that was a long road trip. What the hell's going on? What the heck's going on here? We've had it easy. (laughs) Winning, winning becomes a habit. Well, for him, no, I was just going to say, I I would, if you're him, I would imagine a, you want to put this whole thing to bed, which it seems like he's done. B, get the surgery, get going on rehab, and then more than anything else. 
These guys want to play. Right. Yeah. He hasn't been able to do that. By the time he comes back, and let's hey, let's maybe hope it's before the Olympics. We don't know that. He's hoping three months, which would get him, uh, what's that, December, January, you know. The only problem is really not any games in February, right? right? Yeah. The only game they play, ironically <laughs> enough, is against Buffalo. <laughs> but, yeah, well, um, circle that one on the calendar. Yeah. It might be a long shot. Yeah, but people but will start asking about it. I think more than anything else, that's what these guys love. Yeah. You know, the money's great. The perks are great. The travel's great. It's playing the games, which he hasn't been able to do in a long time. And how often has he been asked about it since he yeah. last played yeah. the game? The whole process this summer, and then recently as the trade talks have ramped up, and in just our conversation, you could see when we started talking about the house that he's building, the music that he listens to, his home in North Chelmsford, he was, you could see, almost exuberant to talk about things other than the surgery. Yeah. You know, how much more there is to the person, Jack Eichel, than just the hockey player going through this turmoil. So I, I'm, I'm sure as this goes forward, it's more and more in the rearview mirror, and it'll be about, as you say, Dave, about the hockey. But we all here get to know a new person, not just a new hockey player. So yeah. I, I appreciate Jack uh, sharing as much about his uh, about his life, who he is, who his family is, and also, um, you know, how he does not have Springsteen in this top five. <laughs> it's beyond it's belief. Well, the other we'll thing, work on yeah, that. Yeah. You're almost going to ask him to leave. <laughs> Jack, it's been great to have you. You got to go. I'm always <laughs> astonished at, at these guys, how much bigger they are than I would think. Yeah. He's, yeah. yeah. I didn't think Jack Eichel was that big. You're thinking of this speedy fast forward, but yeah. I know he says 6'2". I think he's got to be 6'3", but he, you he's know. He's a big man. Big, yeah. big legs, big, yeah. big, yeah. big torso. And, and Right. Well, and it's 6'2", but he it listed at 213, you know, so about the weight goes up and down. Yeah. But we remember Ryan Reeves talking about how he would be at 225, and he would know if he was a couple of pounds up, and he'd have to, you know, do a little extra skating, or if he were a couple of pounds light, he'd go pick up a pizza on the way home after a game. He could really... Never had that issue. Fire, fire down a wheel. Hey, that's not... I think that's a big skill. I know when I'm up, the, the one button starts to stretch a little bit. A lot of pressure on those buttons. What happened? I, I just... Uh, I just uh, it's true, though. Very true. Yes. All right. So we know um, Jack Eichel, big part of the Golden Knights going forward. Let's talk a little bit, guys, before we wrap this up about the uh, present tense and this team just coming off um, so far their first long road trip in a long time. Uh, they go two and two on the trip, uh, lose in Toronto, win in Ottawa, win in Montreal, and then uh, fall in Detroit. Shane, I guess uh, we'll start with you in terms of the trip overall. There's two and two about. Uh, I don't know, is it what they kind of deserved, all things being equal? Yeah, I think it is what they, well, I think they deserved maybe, but, you know, certainly they got what they deserved in Toronto. I'll say that. Yeah. Uh, maybe didn't uh, deserve is what they got in Montreal, which was a win, and probably deserved to win in Detroit, possibly. So, yeah. I think, you know, it played itself out. I think you look at their lineup, and it's tough. They have to, I think they're still, their game's still building, in, in my opinion. Uh, you know, starts were an issue that trip until that game against Detroit, but much better in that game. I Actually, that was probably their best first period the whole trip, and they're down 3-1. Uh, but I think now an opportunity to come home in a very important six-game homestand. And Pete DeBoer's touched on it. It's, it. It is imperative for these guys to, to hold water, to bank points while guys are out and try and bank as many points as you can and then kind of get some bodies rolling back into this lineup. And uh, it's not, a, not an easy stretch here at home that starts against Seattle, uh, uh, but they've got to find a way here to take advantage once again of 
being in the fortress, being at T-Mobile, and getting uh, you know that crowd, that swagger back uh, at home. They've got a couple of players have to do more. Like it's real obvious. Marsh so has said, "Okay, I got to be better. I've got to, I've got to do more." Stevenson, I've got to do more. Petrangelo, I've got to do more. And uh, Nick Waugh. There, there's a handful of guys. Yeah, yeah Nick Hague. You look at them uh, and you go, "Huh." They're, they they have risen to the occasion. There are some guys, and uh, we won't name names, but there's uh, five or six guys that I look at, and it's pretty easy if you go across the roster and you say, they're not doing enough right now. And, cause, I agree. Uh, as great as the crowd is going to be and everything like that, you're not winning with three defensemen and, and five forwards. You've yeah. got to have more guys going. If you looked at a stat sheet, you could kind of figure it out. Just guys wow. that haven't. You know, this haven't been a big part of it. You know, and Shane made this point last night, guys, in, a, in the uh, game of Detroit. You know, now they're pressing down. Well, they got it to – was yeah, It's down tough for them to chase it. games. Yeah, oh. because they don't, they don't have the depth to – Petrangelo, I think, was out for three and a half minutes at the end of the game while they had the goalie pulled. And they're just they're – li- they have limited options, especially down a goal or two as to – how many different guys they can put out there to try and pull even in a game? That third goal goes in to make it three one, and it's you're you're looking at it and saying, "This is uh, this is our." And he was good yesterday, Thomas Grice. He, you know, he was he was did, really good. Didn't spill any rebounds. Was just really solid. And and if they were going to beat him, they were going to have to really earn a really great look. And that that's just not happening right now. Yeah, I I think that that given the current complexion of the Knights roster. What we saw, Ottawa, not Ottawa, pardon me, Montreal and Detroit, the last two games of the trip, in both games, it came down to special teams and goaltending. <laughs> and in the one game in Montreal, uh, Vegas got the two power play goals, had excellent goaltending. And the following day, Detroit had the two power play goals and excellent goaltending. And not to oversimplify it, but when you've got a roster that's not your regular roster, some down, sometimes it can come down to those things. And that's how I saw it uh, in the last couple of games. And playing with the lead in both those games, Ottawa and Montreal, yeah. allows them yeah. to, allows you to use your full right. bench. Right. You know, when they come back against a Montreal team that's real fragile, right? They're now 3-10. and 10, uh, But they had got blown off the ice uh, and booed out of their own building two nights before against the Islanders. They come out. You know they're going to come out strong. But the Golden Knights had no answer in the first period. And then the power play does break through, like, you know, finally. Big part of it. Uh, so, so they come back and beat a, uh, you know, a, a Canadian team is just kind of teetering here oh, yeah. on the brink. Um, and then Detroit the next day, to your point, Dan, they, they give up a couple of power play goals. And it, it's the only game this year, really, if you think about it, their goaltending has been very good. You know, Leonard gave it the, the first three games of the trip. Um, it, it, even the Ottawa game, you know, they, 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 they win the game handily, but the first period, it could have been much different. Toronto wasn't very close. Montreal could have been four or five, nothing after the first period. It was the only game, the first game this year on on Sunday in Detroit where, you know, Brossois had his struggles and maybe the third and fourth goals, especially the fourth one that um, he'd like to have back. But, um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're going to try and find a way to hang in there. It's not, you know, so we, we mentioned this the other night. So if you're looking at their injury list and we, you know, we've run that down often enough. Uh, I guess we're hoping Mark Stone might be the closest. We don't know. He has been skating. We know that. Right. Um, Max Pacioretty, they said four to six. Six is Thanksgiving. That's six weeks for him. Well, let's go with four then. So maybe four. <laughs> yeah, maybe, right? You know, it, it's, yeah. 
if you're being optimistic, we're not sure what's going on with Nolan Patrick. We know Zach Whitecloud. You know, they said a month or so. These are not short-term injuries. Right. These oh, are all guys that are out for a while. Yeah. yeah. So, William Carlson. I forgot about Carlson. Oh, uh, yeah. Add him to the list. Um, they've got to try to find a way somehow to just stay afloat here and uh, go from there. And you wonder if somewhere in what they did accomplish during the trip, because it could have been worse, right? I mean, you have a lead with the, the, the fourth game, and you're thinking, wow, they could actually win three out of four yeah. games on this trip. Yeah. But it easily could have gone the other exactly. way, right? And so I wonder if, if, you know, you think about what we learned on this trip from the group, how they had started that first game with Brett Howden between Marcia So and Smith. That lasted one period. They tried Stevenson there the rest of the game. That did not continue. Nicholas Waugh and what he has done in, we talked to several coaches and players about it, uh, what makes him a good fit was the question that I've asked. You know, Ryan McGill said hockey smarts. Riley Smith said he always seems to be in the right place. And Pete DeBoer le- uh, yesterday talked about his work ethic. Different player than William Carlson, but in terms of the work ethic, similar characteristics. So I think if there's something that we, we learned about the team, it's what Nicholas Waugh can do in that spot. Not that he necessarily would be there long term, but here's another step up for him. And he's look at what is it? Uh, how many points yeah. in the last few games? Five, five, three, five, yeah. Yeah. three. Yeah. yeah. And here, and there's the value add in that, right? When you look down at a healthy lineup, and Nick Waugh moves down with this confidence he's getting, and the other, the other one you can throw in there is with his play is Will Carrier. Yeah. Playing the most minutes he ever has. Boy, a little end end rush if he could ever have. Yeah, he could finish. Ever finish. Right. He's getting there. Just My can't goodness. finish. Yeah. He, could, he could have five or six goals the right one now. One goal that he scored was the one that he muffed. <laughs> he kind of butted it in. <laughs> it really sh- shows you. You know, you hear agents say all the time. You know, you get paid for points. Yeah. You get paid for goals. Yeah. And it really underscores that it is the it is the hardest thing to do in hockey is so, to put the puck in the net. Yeah. Six game homestand coming up starting Tuesday with Seattle, then Minnesota, Vancouver, Carolina, uh, the Red Wings back in town, and then the Columbus Blue Jackets. One other note, um, of course, the, the Golden Knights um, have got a dozen games this year, exclusives on national TV. Of course, you catch every game with with Dan and Gary on 98.9 FM, Fox Sports, Las Vegas. But, um, you know, these exclusive games, it is new to people. You have to subscribe if you want to watch them. Uh, ESPN Plus, if these 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 Plus games, ESPN Plus or Hulu, subscribe there, and that's how you watch these exclusive games on those but, channels. But they'll watch you. You, you yes. and Shane will be doing the game. If it's not exclusive, though, yeah. right? They get right. us tomorrow. Tomorrow's, tomorrow's exclusive. Instance, tomorrow it's not. It's so exactly. no lawless in order tomorrow. No, no. no. Take the take outrage. That. <laughs> it's egregious. Take People that part tune off. Tune into the radio. Uh, I would hope so. We'll do. We'll do. It'll be three hours of lawless in yeah, order. That's right. But if but it's there exclusive. It if it's an Exclusive game on ESPN yeah, Plus. Right. You have to go there and it's not subscribe on, on there or Hulu. TV. Right. Yes. Sorry, yes. Dave. It's not on an ESPN TV channel. Yeah. It is it's on the app. through the app. Yeah. And some, yeah. a lot of people, including myself, I've got it plugged into the TV. Yeah. So you can still watch it on TV if you've yeah. got the device, but a regular cable channel. And obviously, it's not over the air. I, 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 now I know what I have to do. I got to call my buddy Danny this afternoon because he does not want to miss a game, and this is going to befuddle him. So uh, <laughs> yeah. I have to buy one. What, what do I have to subscribe to? Right. I guess he'd be there. Yep. Yeah, it's good. Oh point yeah, too. there's that. There you are. There you are. <laughs> you can also go to the game live. That's yeah, true. you can. Yeah, that's true. for sure. That's but right. if you're not there, and if, for, if, and whatever reason you're not listening to you guys, that's how you'd watch. If it. they go to the game live, where would they find you two guys? You find? I don't know. Tomorrow. We we tend to kind of. 
whoever we can mooch off of, we'll find a suite around. of some sort that'll have us briefly, and then their tolerance level hey, fades you've been pretty out quick. In the, the the radio booth, you've stopped by. Oh, yeah, we, we come have. by and say hi to we Dan. Yeah. Couch there see. for you guys to hang. Make out. sure we say hi to Dan. Also kind of entertainment. Yeah, read between the lines. Read between the lines, ninety. Dave said the two. But I did. Yep, I was just playing. All right, he just you bully him. He just comes on the right. On that note, on that note, our thanks again to Jack Eichel. He was excellent. Great to have him here, and we wish Shane. A happy birthday oh, happy on birthday, this Sheriff. 8th day of November. 39 and holding. Shane's getting up there. Not as many as 20, Shane Gary 29. 29, 29 and holding. Listen, holding. I was I was throwing you a bone at 39. <laughs> he's Don't a, push it. He's always he's not as many candles on the cake as Gary or I. Not uh, Dan's pulling up the rear big time, not but he's in between close. us. So We should all wish we could look as good as Shane. Not go crazy. Oh, Gary. Whatever age Let's he's not at. go nuts, Gary. Thank you. <laughs> Anyways, that's been the Sheriff Lawless and some guy named Dave Podcast. We'll talk to you next time.